That's going to be part of our discussion. We may move on to defending Christianity, defending I don't believe our God needs a defense, but defend, but putting up an apologetic for our theology to answer the so-called problem of evil. Now, last week we introduced the problem of evil, and we talked a little bit about it. Uh, what is the problem of evil? As state has as it's thrown up in the Christian's face all the time. Uh, the most, the most um, widely used formula is that which is uh, from the philosopher John Stuart Mill, which said that if God is omnipotent, he's able to prevent evil. If God is good, he wants to prevent evil. Either God is not omnipotent, not, God is not omnipotent, or He is not all good. Therefore, the God of the Bible does not exist. And we talked about last week. What are the problems with that argument? That argument kind of stings a little bit, right? Am I the only one that gets stung a little bit when I hear it? Why? Well, because it touches us emotionally. None of us like to go through suffering or pain, and none of us want to see others suffering, and there lies in the problem. It's not a logical problem because, as we said last week, uh, that's, that whole argument is filled with logical fallacies, such as the fact that it is a false dilemma. By false dilemma, he's saying it is either this or that, and therefore, since it's neither that or this, then it is this. Whereas, is there something more about God than we believe, that we believe than He is right, than He is omnipotent, and He is good? Such as, do we believe that God is an all-wise God, and therefore God may have purposes for suffering and evil to exist, and still be omnipotent? and still be good. So we believe much more about God, but he limits his whole problem of evil scenario to only that which benefits his argument and not those things that we declare about God that do not benefit his arguments. So it's a straw man. You don't know what a straw man is, right? In arguments. A straw man is when you say, this is what the other person believes but it's not an accurate picture of what, what they believe. And then you, then you attack the straw man, you beat the straw man up, you set the straw man on fire and say, I won the argument because I destroyed the straw man. I destroyed what they... When really, it's just a caricature of what we believe. This is a caricature of what we believe about God. It is not a whole picture, and it, pictures, and it, and it gives a false dilemma. God, an all-wise, an omnipotent, and all-good God may have very good reasons for allowing you to go through what you're going through. Or the entire world for going, what, what, going through what it is going through. And so we talked about that. We introduced that very thing. And we are going to continue that discussion. 
So the problem of evil, uh, in order to really tackle this, we have to ask what evil is. What is evil? And we kind of touched on this last week. At this point in the recording, there was mic issues that caused the recording to cut in and out for about five minutes. Sorry for the inconvenience. cannot escape the reality of evil by just saying it's all a product of someone's mind. Uh, no matter even if you say that that someone doesn't exist, it's still a pro- it's still there. Uh, so that's kind of the uh, so Buddhism, Hindus, in Hinduism, Christian science. Can you imagine saying to someone who is suffering that is destitute, what you're going through is not real? What comfort does that give them? The problem is, is the, how, the way you're thinking. The problem's you, right? That, 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 that doesn't help anybody. Uh, and, and in fact, if you want to get bogged down with real legalism uh, and place, press a heavy weight on people's shoulders, uh, it's by giving them that kind of formula. Uh, the problem's you and the way you're thinking. And that's why you lost your child, or that's why you uh, did this happen to you, or that happened to you. Uh, you weren't thinking positively enough, or you weren't doing this, and, 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 you wanted, and it divorces people from a real reality around them. Evil is real. There is a more subtle version of this, and one I, I, I blush to say that I have advocated for in the past as a Christian. And this is the idea, not that evil is an illusion, but evil exists only in the shadow metaphysical category that evil is a privation. I'll write that word. I know that I can't even read it from here, so I don't know why I would bother writing it. I need to... Um, um, Tom, uh, not Thomas, but uh, Rocky was, he's not here today, he had that surgery. Uh, but Rocky was saying, he, he was showing me a big roll-up board that's a, that I uh, uh, love to have. So we got a really big uh, whiteboard to work with. But I'll just put that on my wish list. Um, but privation, that's the idea that Ultimately, the only thing that is real, really, really real, is the good. This is a Platonic, this is a Platonic and Aristotelian uh, philosophy that you have uh, the good, and that is ultimate being, and everything else is kind of a derivation from that. And what is less good is less real. Uh, you, you have this, this, this Aristotelian gradation of being. That up here is the perfect, the good, and everything else is less perfect, less good, less perfect, and tends toward down here. Not an illusion, but non-being. I know this is heavy and I don't want to really spend a lot of time on this. Non-being. 
All right, so here's how the argument goes with Scripture. All right, so when God created all things, including man, who was in his image, he looked down upon everything and said everything was very good. All right, so there is a sense that it could be that it's not perfect, so it's a little bit less than the actual good, so it contains some bit of potentiality towards evil and towards non-being. And as evil progressed, it progressed downward towards being. God only creates that which is good, and everything else begins to be deprived of that good and become, and therefore becomes more and more evil. Uh, I know that is kind of a kind of a quick derivation of that, but think about if you could see evil in this light. Seeing evil as, first of all, almost a necessity for the fact that we are created. Because we're created not perfect, not ultimately good. So therefore, we're a little bit less than that. And God Himself could not absolve us from our creatureliness, and therefore, we are already towards pointed towards evil by the mere fact that we are created. Uh, so, uh, so natural evil is defects in the lesser goods in creation. Why do earthquakes happen? Because we lived in a created world that is not per, that, that that by virtue of it being created is less good than God, and therefore. Tends towards, tends towards its own undoing. So earthquakes are happening, seismic events are happening, uh, cancer is happening, and it's just all part of the order of things. By its created metaphysical nature, it must happen like this. Um, and, and moral evil is just that very thing. You and I are created with a will. It's not a perfectly good will, so therefore we have the potentiality. And here's the insidiousness. If you really want to know what is behind such as such things as Catholic doctrine, uh, to, with, uh, which builds a little bit on, on Thomistic beliefs. And the belief that you have to work your way to salvation. It's, it's, this is the metaphysical category that underpins it. God created us under Him, already tending towards non, non-being, already tended towards evil, and it is up for uh, uh, but he still created us in a relatively good case, and it is up to us to keep ourselves in that case. Does that make sense? It's a, it, you, it, it is a philosophical category that lends itself to a works salvation. Uh, the cause of evil lies in the fact that God created us thus, and it doesn't defend God, and it doesn't keep us from, it doesn't keep us from, from uh, defending the idea that a good God allow, allows, allows evil for good reasons. And in fact, it, it, it lays at the foot the idea that God created corruptible beings because He intends to add an overall perfection of the universe 
but he is not responsible for their failures, even though he created them corruptible. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on it, and a lot of this just kind of gets into some philosophical weeds. But what is the problem with this? Is it just simply blames God for all evil in the sense that it exists because God made it so, made us so. And you think of the idea of, uh, he, uh, Frame gives the analogy here of, of, uh, of the donut maker, the, the, the baker making donuts, and someone asking, well, why did you make the holes? Uh, or how, how uh, what, what, explain the holes. Well, the holes are non-being and so on and so forth. But, but it still says that God made the donut instead of making a flat pastry with no hole or something else like that. Uh, and, it, and it tends to place evil in some metaphysical category and say metaphysics is ethics. Metaphysics is morality, and that's not so. What is evil then? If evil is neither an illusion or a tendency towards non-being, I want to just say this. Evil is real. It's real. You know that when someone does you wrong, right? You're not saying it's a, that an illusion happened to you. You're not trying to speak of it in metaphysical categories. Someone really hurt you. Evil is real. It's really what? Go back to Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 1, or chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Okay? There was no evil in the world of men before this, right? And we saw that man ate the fruit, man became guilty. Hold your place there in Genesis and go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead. This is not an illusion. It's not saying you didn't exist. You were dead. Adam died. And Adam begat children, and he begat them in his own likeness. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. 
By one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon men. This is real. That's moral evil right there. Ephesians chapter, or not Ephesians, but Romans chapter 3. There is none that does good. No, not one. There is none that is righteous. No, not one. There is none that seeks God. There's a reality to moral evil. It's, it's in us. We are now a fallen people. We are now under the curse. There's the word I want. This is a positive, real thing. It's not non-being. It's not an illusion. We are under a real curse of sin. What is evil? It's the curse of God upon us morally. We are totally depraved. That doesn't mean we're as bad as we can be, but we are totally alienated from God if we're lost. The nature of man now is dead, cursed with sin. Not seeking God, not doing good, but literally, positively filled with evil. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, uh, so on and so forth. All those things that Romans 3 talks about. This is not unbeing, this is not an illusion, this is not non-being, this is a reality in the world. Why do you lock your doors at night? Not because of non-being that is out there beyond the, beyond your door, not because of illusions that exist beyond be, uh, uh, exist in your mind. You lock your door because people really steal, and people really kill. You uh, you have all kinds of of security devices on your phones, on your computers. Uh, why? Because people really steal. So, the Scriptures tell us plainly that moral evil is sin, and sin entered into the world, and death by sin entered into the world, and mankind is under the curse of sin. And we see no value by trying to place evil in some kind of odd metaphysical category, or in some kind of unenlightened state of the mind of an individual, if such a thing can even exist in those realms of thought. But in the actual, in the reality, that sin is a real curse upon mankind. They really desire to do evil. They really are alienated from God in their minds. They really run after their own desires, after sin. Their will is bent that way. And outside of the salvation of God from sin, there is no answer to evil. The answer to evil is not you meditating more. The answer to evil is not you working your way 
and keeping yourself in certain way. The answer to this is grace alone is the only answer to this problem. There is no answer to the problem of evil outside of this when you start seeing evil as a real curse upon mankind that plays out in various ways. And we see not only moral evil in this way, but we see back in Genesis chapter 3, where does all natural evil come from? It's the same thing. It is a real curse. Because, Romans, or Genesis 3. Uh, because thou hast done this, verse 14, thou art cursed. Speaking of, of the serpent. Then he goes on. He says in verse 16, he says, Upon unto the woman I said, O greatly multiply your sorrow in conception. Not an illusion, not non-being. I add to you sorrow. That's a positive thing. Not positive in the like, yay, it's happy. But positive as it's in the thing, in the thing that it's real. It has reality. I will add sorrow. And I will greatly multiply your sorrow, verse 16. And your desire, also verse 16. Unto Adam, he says, because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife, and has eaten of the three, I have commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat, cursed. That's not a negative value. That's a real thing. That's not, that's not imaginary numbers. That's what I, or, or the... Or a, a, a negative deficit on your account, that is a positive affirmation of something. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Why are things breaking down? Why are things, why are things going bad? Why are these things? Because evil has a positive value. And once again, I want to repeat, not positive like happy, <laughs> positive like real like real numbers or something like that. Curses are ground, out of it you were taken, thorns and thistles, you'll eat bread, return to it, all those things, the breaking down, the, the, the deterioration of the body, all natural evil and moral evil share one thing, the reality of them in the world. What is, what biblically speaking, and I agree so much with this, and I have actually taught forms of privation before when speaking of evil, and I probably, I've done, I know I've done so from this pulpit, but um, this has been an enlightening study here. Um, evil is real. It's not just being less good than God. It's real, and it's really a curse. Um, and... Confusing this curse or confusing sin, reducing ethics to metaphysics, confusing sin with finitude, as Cornelius Van Til has stated, depersonalizes the reality of our sin. My sin is not because I am A, B, or C. My sin is because I am a sinner. I am a sinner who is alienated from God, who needs God and God alone to take care of my sin. Um. I don't know if we have time really, uh, but uh, you're going to see 
you're going to see this is the biblical view of evil, um, the nature of evil itself. The Bible never presents anything else, but as you move away from Christian thought, as you get into concepts like the New Age or, or Gnostic thoughts, uh, Gnostic philosophies or, or medieval uh, wranglings of men like Thomas Aquinas uh, that, 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 that uh, created the philosophical framework for the modern Catholic Church. Um, when you get into those things or Greek uh, categories of Aristotle, you don't deal with evil as a real thing anymore. And I think it does a detriment when we don't see evil in this light. Uh, we have to see evil as real. And does that create problems for us? Uh, yes, because if, if evil, I mean, I'm not saying it creates problems for us, but it leads us right back to the idea that who pronounced the curse? Who added the sorrow? Who added the curse? Who did these things? God did. But what was his reason? Us. Probably the greatest representative of humanity, Adam, who was created and was placed in a perfect environment, chose death. And God pronounced a real curse that really exists. What is the evil I'm facing every day? The evil you're facing every day is that real thing called evil. Out of, the, out of my heart proceeds evil thoughts and other forms of evil that are go outwardly. And so is everyone I'm meeting, morally evil people. You, he, Christ did not keep from affirming this about people. He said to the Pharisees, if you, being evil, notice he wasn't speaking in categories of non-being, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is not evil? Uh, but he asserted a real evilness to human nature. Fallen human nature, cursed under sin, human nature. Uh, if e we we can see that God is the author of the curse. If there is evil in the city, has not God done it? That's what that's what the prophet. Uh, not it's either Amos or I'll have to look it up for you. Uh, yeah, it was Amos. Can two walk, a, walk together except they be agreed? And, and then ask the question, if there's evil in the city, has not God done it? God brought evil into the world for a reason. First man sinned, and then there's a greater reason for the greater manifestation of His grace. 
because you and I cannot save ourselves. Like I said, again, meditation is not going to save you. Good works are not going to save you from real evil, both in yourself and in this world. Grace alone does that. I hope you got something, and I, I did not mean to get caught up in trying to talk about metaphysical categories, but I hope we see what the biblical concept of evil is. And from here, we're wanting to be able to answer, why does evil happen? Because we still have the emotional problem. The logical problem is a bunch of nonsense. There is no logical problem of evil. Like an all-wise God, who is all-powerful and all-good, may have reasons for allowing evil to occur, or even bringing evil into the world. But... We still have to answer the emotional problem. The logical problem is nonsense. The emotional problem is, is when evil happens to us, what's the very first question we ask? Why? Why? And that's an emotional problem that strikes us right here, and it's an emotional problem that strikes the person we're trying to give the gospel to right in the core of their being. Why is this happening to me? And we need to be able to give a good answer. But we cannot deny the reality of evil. And we cannot deny that God brought it into the world. Because of man's sin, he brought it into the world, but he did bring it into the world. And what his answer is and what his reasons are ultimately as time works out. All right, any questions, complaints, or grievances? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God wouldn't take Adam's excuse either. <laughs> he says, you have done this and listened to the voice of your wife and therefore cursed. Uh, and people have been born dead in sins ever since. A, real, a reality to evil in the world that was placed upon us by God. Because of our sin, I, I hope I hope this is as clear a teaching as possible as on the nature of evil, and I hope it made sense, and I didn't get too far into the weeds on on categories that that are basically nonsense. Yes, sir. Well, I mean it in the sense of Romans chapter 3. There's none that does good. There's none righteous. There's none that seeks after God. Uh, we're all gone out of the way. We're all together become filthy. Um, 
uh, our mouth is filled with cursing and bitterness, uh, poison of asp is under our tongues, that there is a deadness of, in sins to all men, death, death passed upon all men. Um, I'm not necessarily defending any particular view, but I will. I do traditionally believe in the doctrine of total depravity in that sense. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, it might be better to call it total inability uh, or a, a bent away from God. Christ said, uh, no man can come to me unless I first draw him, uh, things of that nature, that there is a natural opposition in, of all of us now against God and against goodness and against righteousness. Um, and outside of him having grace upon us, we will never be saved. Um, I, I, I hope that answers the question as clearly as possible. I'm, I... I, I we can kind of get lost sometimes in labels and labeling this doctrine or that doctrine to be this to, to in this camp or that camp and want to try to get want to try to get whatever we believe to be scriptural and sometimes that sometimes that may sound one way or another and does that make sense I think so. it the fact that the, the, what, what I mean by total depravity is just that we're totally lost. Uh, when, I was, when I was saved when, or when I was born, no one had to teach me how to sin. I knew. I knew how to lie. And I, no one even had to teach me how to want to sin. <laughs> I naturally wanted to sin. Uh, and it manifests its way in all of my life. And that's, and that's this evil that we're talking about. When Christ says, you being evil, that is that, affirm, that affirmative reality in each and every human being to be against God and to be for whatever desire they happen to have that, is, that they replace God with. Um, and therefore, you have the description in Romans 1, 2, and 3 of the, of the depravity of the individual necessitating the grace, salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ and what he has provided. I hope that answers the question. All right. In the whole, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know of anybody who would take the Scripture seriously that would say anything like that, uh, that, that uh, God made me in such a way that it was impossible for me not to sin. Um, when I sinned, I always did so with my will. <laughs> now, 
when Adam sinned, Adam sinned freely. I was never, no wonder. And it's really hard to navigate specifically this, this category as far as metaphysics and such things like that. But I can never say that God made me thus. God made me to be after this particular sin or that particular sin. And those that would take, take the non-being issue of evil um, would deny that. Uh, I feel like I'm talking in circles. The fact is, is, the fact is, is we are wholly responsible for all of our sin, uh, even under this cursed world, and therefore we're held accountable for all of our sins, um, even though we are born dead and um, under the curse of sin, we are still responsible for all of our actions, and I don't know anybody who would take the Bible seriously that would deny that. I think maybe there are someone out there, but <laughs> but I don't know them. And I feel like I was talking in circles, and I was may may or may not have answered that coherently. It, it's a difficult subject, just to be honest with you. But uh, we're 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 not we're not absolutely determined in that sense, and uh, I don't think I don't think you the sovereignty of God, a belief in the sovereignty of God would necessitate such a belief to set aside man's responsibility. Correct. Well, well, it's ultimately a difficult subject in, I mean, if you're getting into Calvinism and predestination and what predestination entails and things of that nature, it's a difficult subject because you're trying to wrap your mind around an infinite God and what an infinite God does. Um, and we just don't have that capability. So there are things that, uh, there are things that the, a Calvinist person would believe uh, and assert to be so, and they do so not knowing how to connect the dots with other things. And, and we, tend to, we tend to, when we're trying to state something in a systematic way, to say, okay, this verse says this, so, so I believe that, without ever having to connect the dot, well, this verse also says this, and seeing how coherently, we're always going to struggle with how to coherently put it all together. And, and, uh, Best advice I can give about it is what my uncle told me years ago is uh, you're trying to wrap your mind around God, trying to figure out predestination and <laughs> predeterminism and, and all that. Um, the best way to approach it is, is when you're reading through the scriptures in each and every single text, be willing to believe exactly what that text says. <laughs> and if it says whosoever will, believe it and teach it. <laughs> and... Don't go. Don't don't say. Don't don't embrace an idea that says it's says that whosoever will is wrong. Who and when when you get to the Ephesians chapter one and you read, uh, God has worked all things after the pleasure of His own will. Uh, believe it. Believe it for exactly what it says. And don't and don't try to assert categories that would in one way, shape, or form deny them. And I think both sides of the camp, whether Arminian or 
Calvinism, Calvinism uh, has been guilty of not of not willing to take each text as the text lies, and we're never going to figure it out on this side of eternity. <laughs> but uh, as Charles Spurgeon once said. Um, I don't have to choose between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man because there is no contradiction. <laughs> I may not be able to figure out how they, how they hold hands, but God does. And the secret things belong to God and the revealed things belong to me. I'll shut up now. <laughs> any, any other, any other uh, complaints or grievances? Or questions? I forgot questions. All right, we got about 10 minutes. Well, now we got less than that. We got about five minutes. It was good discussion.